Hello, and welcome to the New Matter Podcast. My name is Mike Tarselli, and I'm the SLAS Scientific Director. Joining me here on this special 10th anniversary special podcast is Johan Poitier, or should I say Dr. Johan Poitier. Hello, Johan. Hi, Mike. How are you? I am great. Tell us a little bit about your involvement with SLAS. How long have you been a member and in what roles have you volunteered with us? Sure. So I joined SLS back in 2018. At the time, I was working at Novartis, the research center in Cambridge, Massachusetts. I was a business analyst in the IT team over there. And I joined SLS as a session chair for the data analysis and informatics track of the main conference. Um, and last year, or this year actually, I was the track chair for that same track. So along the years, I went up in the organization as I got better and better in my own field. And in 2022, I will be co-chairing the conference itself. Thanks to That's you guys. a pretty dramatic rise. <laughs> well done. Meteoric, perhaps. So <laughs> tell me a little bit about um, how you think that joining the SLAS community has informed your perspectives on data science, on lab automation and uh, how interacting with this community has helped you. Sure. So I, I think the, the main value for me was to have a higher perspective on the field itself. So I worked in data science now for more than 10 years, and I overlapped with people in automation in different fields of science. But with SLS, I could see the connection between the different fields together and the overlap from biologics to new technology for screening to microfluidics to data analysis to very specific niche of, of science. And you can see that none of them are isolated. They're really interconnected. That's great. You should write all of our marketing copy. <laughs> I applaud you. Thank you. <laughs> so uh, tell me a little bit about uh, where you think the SLAS community is going to go then. I mean, we've obviously got a fairly rich history and being from the two precursor orgs, 25 years of, of back content. But I would ask you, in the next 10 years, what do you think are going to be the big challenges facing this field, facing lab automation engineers, and where those interactions are between sciences? Well, if you had asked me that 10 years ago when we were starting to ramp up the size of the instrument, the number of samples we were analyzing, you could see that everything was going through high throughput, both academia and industry. But now we're going like at the smaller level, we start speaking about microfluidics, really in production environment. Uh, organoids development also are used in research, but starting to be used in manufacturing and in production environment. So yes, automation and high throughput screening and high throughput uh, workflow are still important, but also these very niche technique used heavily in specific area of scientific discovery. Cool. And, and do you foresee a world in which we get to the official bioeconomy where things are not really made in factories, but indeed are made by organisms, cell lines, uh, gene-edited lines? Yeah, I think it's already the case. I mean, we saw large company or like smaller companies are in synthetic biology now applying these techniques in larger settings like Ginkgo applied it for the COVID pandemic recently. So these techniques are proven to work in production environment. Um, we can even see them being applied now for DNA storage on techniques like this. So yeah, the biology is getting everywhere, even in the IT world. Okay, engineers, you're on notice. <laughs> You've got to learn some biology to catch up with us. But all right, tell me a little bit about an innovation you've seen happen in SLAS or in the life sciences that you wouldn't have necessarily predicted. Something that caught you by surprise being part of our community. 
Yes, I'm, I'm going to repeat myself, but microfluidics, I think, was one of them. I, I was familiar with the technique for research purpose, but I was very impressed to see some of the booths at SLS in 2018, mostly very small company coming out of academia, uh, trying to sell it as a service. And two years later, you have multiple, an entire role dedicated to organoid microfluidics, selling it for production environment, adapted to CNS or oncology or cardiovascular, very, very specific material working very well and a good result comparable to other techniques. And I didn't think that that would happen that quickly. Definitely not. So so I'm a synthetic chemist, just like you are. It brings to mind the miniaturization aspect that we've seen happen mm-hmm. as well in that field. So right, you didn't think you'd have a mass spec or an NMR that would fit on your bench top anytime soon. And no. it only took a few years. <laughs> well, it, it's actually a good point. The bioanalytical world, it's changing a lot like this. So, the involvement of these uh, microfluidics on small techniques or uh, even AI and data science directly at the bioanalytical level in a closed loop, very impressive. So this brings up a really good point. Um, what would you say to somebody who is 19, 20 years old and is watching this revolution in the bioeconomy and watching this miniaturization and watching the absolute surfeit of data we have now? And how do you get them into this field? What, what advice do you have for these students and early career professionals? Um, my advice is just to, to stay interested and be open. While you want to be a specialist in your area and what you're working on, you want to remain informed of what's going on outside your own field of expertise because eventually something next to your field is going to impact your own field and you need to be aware of what's going on. You need to be aware that your field is going to be disrupted, if I can use that word, and you need to expect it because now it's only accelerate. Be fair, if you didn't say disrupted, I would have. <laughs> because <laughs> same thing, right? I mean, uh, Uber disrupting the taxi industry or uh, mm-hmm. DoorDash disrupting delivery. No one saw that coming, but it was from an ancillary field. And, and I agree. I think that uh, not only should people in the life sciences watch out for that, but also we will be disrupting traditional industries, like you said, DNA storage for data. Yeah. Um, and any other? I don't think we're painting. I don't think we're painting a negative uh, aspect mm-hmm. of the disruption. It's really just be be aware that your field of expertise is going to change a lot, and it might not be just the technology. It could be a process. It could be the way we interact with external partners that do the work. Instead of doing it yourself, companies like Strateo and others are, are doing external uh, bioanalytics automatically now, uh, integrated with your own environment. So this is the type of thing that I'm talking about. Yeah, much more common to have that network of providers model now than it is to do yes. it all yourself. Um, so any closing thoughts, anything you want to say to the community, any celebratory words? Um, Anything else you want to leave in the minds of the listeners? Maybe don't think that the name of SLAS is only limited to (laughs) screening and uh, automation. Uh, This is more than that. This is a community to to exchange ideas about science across academia and industry. Uh, This is something that will come into your field maybe in the next 5-10 years. It doesn't have to be exactly what you're doing on a daily basis, but you need to be aware of it. And I think that community is the perfect community to hear about it in the first place. That's really great. A good charging thought for everyone. Um, Thank you very much, Johan. Uh, Thanks for making the time for us. And uh, thanks for celebrating 10 years of SLAS with our community. Thank you. Happy birthday.